Last week, we looked at biblical principles on building godly marriages and what God's idea was for marriage. And you say, well, why are we talking about marriage last week? And then this week, we're talking about building godly homes. And I say to you, well, there's two reasons. One, first of all, we are, as an L.A. church, hosting a worldwide conference on youth and family ministry here in the next month in April, which is exciting. Uh, We want uh, parents, church leaders, elders, evangelists, youth ministry leaders to come and learn about how to build youth and family ministries in their churches that glorify God and have great impact. So we thought, well, why don't we talk about it at church as well? Secondly, the Bible has a lot to say about family. God created family. He created marriage. He created these things. And we want to be a church that studies the Bible, right? So we can't ignore those parts of the Bible if we are to be a people that puts God's word into practice. Amen. So we want to preach the whole Bible, not just parts of it. That's why we're focusing today on building godly homes. We have a series right now that was entitled Extreme Makeover Family Edition. We are taking what the world has taught us about family and about marriage and changing it, flipping it around to see what God has to say about these things. Amen. The the Bible talks a lot about things that we need to do. But not just things that we do, but who we are as a people inside. And when you think about it, who we really are definitely comes out the most where? At home. I mean, you can be yourself at home. You don't see dudes running around the grocery store in their underwear but <laughs> or in their pajamas. But at home, you can just do whatever you want to do. There's two places you can be yourself, I think, in the home and in your car. Have you ever seen those guys? in the? You know, you see somebody in the car and they're just blasting a song and singing with all their heart. And people just look at them like, wow, this guy's really into that. You're yourself in your own car, right? You're yourself in your own home. And the Bible talks a lot about how we are to interact in relationships in our own home. I want to read here in Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2 and verse 5. The Bible says the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Harris in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They provoked the Lord to anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. In his anger against Israel, the Lord handed them over to raiders who plundered them. He sold them to their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. Just as he had sworn to them, they were in great distress. We see here what happened to God's people in the Old Testament. 
He had given them the command, make sure you impress on your children what I'm telling you. Talk about it when you sit down and when you walk around the town. Talk about it. Think about it. Share about it with your kids. But what happened? A whole generation grew up that knew nothing about what God had done. They knew nothing about crossing the Red Sea. They knew nothing about the walls of Jericho coming down. They knew nothing about the plagues and the manna from heaven, how God provided for his people. They knew nothing about God's law and deliverance. The older generation had failed to pass on their faith to the next generation. I believe we can look at this passage and learn a lot from this pattern in history. It's scary to know that we could possibly be one generation away from a dying and dead church if we're not careful. We must come to accept and live out God's plan for the family and the home. His idea was not that only one generation would follow God, but that it would go on for generation after generation after generation. Amen. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of, Christ, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The promise is for you and your children. It's a multi-generational promise that God has for his people. I'm very thankful uh, to have grown up in a family that loved God. I want to show a picture here. That's my family right there. That's mom and dad. I've got uh, I'm the oldest of five. I've got three brothers, one sister and uh, my beautiful wife right there. And that's when our daughter, Isabella, was about maybe not even a year old. And, uh, you know, my parents are 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 good people. They love God. Uh, they love the church. They love uh, spreading the message of the gospel. Uh, but, you know, my parents didn't grow up that way. We um, I want to share just a little bit. I went to a. Um, a conference this past uh, fall in Miami, and uh, one of the brothers who was preaching there, his name is John Louis, he's an evangelist from the uh, Singapore church, and he preached a whole lesson entitled, Dysfunction is the Gift that Keeps on Giving. <laughs> and if you guys have heard John Louis speak, he's a very powerful preacher, but, I mean, he was just yelling, Dysfunction is the gift that keeps on giving. And um, he... um. He was sharing about in the Old Testament, just the different families in the Old Testament who just generations of this of dysfunction. And he was encouraging us to be the ones to break the chain of dysfunction in our families and within the church as well. And I'm very thankful that my mom and dad uh, met each other and, and got married and became Christians when they were maybe a year or two in their in, within in their marriage. But my dad grew up. As a single child, uh, his uh, dad, my grandfather, was an alcoholic. Uh, His mom, my grandmother, was depressed all the time. They lived in a loveless marriage. It was all it was all. But the only reason they stayed together was because they had a child was because of my my dad. 
And so they just overindulged him, spoiled him, uh, gave him everything. He was inc- he grew up incredibly uh, disrespectful towards them and authority. And don't worry, he's okay with me sharing these things. Um, you know, he grew, that's how he grew up. Uh, my mom grew up, and, and her, both her parents stayed together. Uh, but my grandfather on her side was a gambler, a womanizer, just loved to party. And, um, uh, you know, even at their wedding, my, my grandparents on my dad's side, my, my grandmother came in a black dress like, a, like she was going to a funeral. You know, like this is the death of my son kind of thing to get married and leave me. Uh, my grandfather came to the wedding just drunk, hung over and drunk at the same time. I mean, it just, you know, you see pictures of it. It's, it's crazy. And this is how my parents grew up. If they would not have put God's principles into practice in their lives as individuals and in their marriage and as parents, that pattern would have probably kept on going. I'm very thankful that God came at just the right time to help them break the chain of dysfunction within the family. And now they were able to pass on to me and to my siblings of faith in God. Do you see what I'm saying here? And now not only do I have a hope, right, to to, to be in heaven with God, but but I have a hope for my family. If you click. There's my two daughters right there. That's Isabella and Raquel. And um, they're 16 months apart. They drain our energy like no other. Um, But we love them. And and there's hope because of my parents' decisions to follow God's principles. There's hope now for my daughters to be able to grow up in the knowledge of Christ. Does that make sense? I want us to see this because to me, it's, it's a big deal. It's really cool to think about. Man, I... Now, now, not only have I been given the faith and made it my own, but now as a parent, as a father, as a dad, it's my responsibility to pass it on to this next generation. I'm not only grateful to be a part, to, to, to be a dad, I'm also grateful to be able to work in the teen ministry. Uh, my wife and I lead the youth ministry here in the church, and we've been leading it here for a long time. For, for, uh, I've been leading the teen ministry here for probably over, a little bit over 10 years now. And um, I love the teen ministry and, and to watch parents in the church pass their faith on, but also be able to be a part of seeing another generation grow up that knows about God, that knows about uh, Jesus and what he has done. It's incredible. The Bible gives us very solid principles on how to build a godly home. It doesn't mean there will never be chaos and that it won't be that it's that. That, there, that it will be this perfect, awesome situation. Building a godly home requires humility, effort, and a lot of grace from God and from each other. And I was thinking about it. You know, Jesus, when he came uh, to start talking about uh, just his mission, he talked about this new way of living and abolishing the old law. And he made statements that changed the way the Jews perceived God. In the Old Testament, God was a just God, a jealous God. Jesus came and introduced the idea that God is our father, a parent, a dad. He he went around calling himself the son of God, yet he says that through him, all of us could have this kind of relationship with God. It's pretty incredible to see this. And so I want to read a couple passages that kind of describe and enlighten this so we we can see who we are 
in God's eyes. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, the message version says this resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave tending life. I think sometimes we can think of that as Christians. Oh, I'm a Christian. I can't do anything. But the Bible says it's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a child like what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 17 in a new living translation says, therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. and I will welcome you and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Galatians three, verse twenty six in the NIV says, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We see how God looks at us as his children. We see how he treats us as his children. He's a perfect dad, a perfect father. He's already given us an example of how we are to be as we raise this next generation and our children as parents. You know, many of us have grown up. Many have grown up uh, without fathers. And so when we come into the church, we see the the idea that God is a father and it's hard, it's difficult to connect that because of the lack of relationship. You know, the, the the our world is full of fatherless homes. It's a very sad, sad world. It's a very sad reality. Fatherless homes. But, you know, that can seep even into our lives as well. Fathers can become absent at home, even though they're pres- they're they're physically present, can become emotionally, spiritually absent. And it's difficult at times to see the, the relationship that we need to have with God as our father. But I want to encourage us to look at these passages and look at uh, another passage in Psalm 103, which talks about God is is slow to anger, abounding in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve as a father has compassion on his children. So God has compassion on those who fear him. I mean, he. God has his relationship with us of father and children. We need to glory and, and be excited and enthusiastic about that relationship. Amen. We need to grow in understanding our father, son, father, daughter relationship we can have with God. And in that way, be able to raise up a whole generation that knows about God. Amen. And so I want to go back to the passage from last week. We read uh, Ephesians last week, Ephesians chapter five. Let's go ahead and turn our Bibles in Ephesians five. You guys with me here? All right, here we go. So, again, I want to re- kind of repeat what we what we studied last week in Ephesians chapter five, verse one says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The expectation here is that we would imitate God. If God has been this way with us, 
Well, let's be this way with others and with our children. Amen. So we jump down to Ephesians chapter uh, six and verse one. And we're going to study this passage out today. Children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. I want to talk to the teens here real quick. Teens, junior high, are you guys here? Hello, hello, hello. You hear that? Yeah, we're here. You know, growing up, like I said, my parents instilled in us a faith. And I remember growing up, um, this was my quote unquote favorite scripture because it was pretty much the only scripture that he read to me over and over and over again. Children, obey your parents. Children, obey, you know, honor your father and mother. And um, but I want to I want to talk to the teens here. I want to talk to the college students, too. You know, some of you guys live with your parents as well. So here we go. Let me ask you a question. Do you want your life to go well? Do you want, what does the promise here say? Do you want your life to go well and to enjoy long life on earth? Would you like that? That sounds like fun. That sounds great. Well, honor your father and mother. The Bible says here, obey your parents. But the commandment, the original commandment is honor your father and mother. And I think This is something that not just college students and teenagers can learn from, but I think we all can have. We need to maybe we're out of the obedience stage, but I don't think we should ever be out of the honoring stage. Honor your father and your mother. You know, for the younger ones, I just want to say, you know, too many times. I just want to challenge you too many times. You think you think you know what you're you think you know what you're talking about. Let me just say, you don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Too many times you think you know more than your parent just because you know, you know, how to do the Facebook thing better than they do or how to text better than they do or what. You don't know what you're talking about. Respect and honor your mother and father. It's interesting to know that, uh, you know, even in my life. In my teenage years, my dad would tell me stuff, but I would hear it better from somebody else. My mom would tell me I would hear it better from somebody else. And then I'd come back and say, oh, I'm going to change this because they told me to change it. And my dad would look at me like, I just told you to change that. (laughs) Now, when I went to college and, you know, through the college years and after I graduated from college, I realized my dad's a really wise man. I should pay attention to him. He's got a lot of good stuff to say. And I, rem- and I remember it like dawned on me. This whole time, I should have just listened to my dad. I should have just listened to my mom. Do you see what I'm saying? And it's interesting. So parents of teens, I just want to encourage you. Just be patient. They'll come back. They will come back and start listening again. Amen. <laughs> Um, there's hope, but let me tell you, teens, learn from others mistakes. Listen now. There's so much you can learn from your mom and dad. There's so much that you can learn. If you just listen and heed their advice, you don't know what you're talking about. 
but they do. <laughs> Amen, teens? Amen, college students? <laughs> Let's honor our parents. Cody? You know, I got, I got a standing ovation there from, from Angie. Should I share it? Kenny says I should share it. Yesterday, I, you know, it's interesting being in the teen ministry because you build great relationships with the guys that you mentor and disciple, and it's like they never leave. Even though they go to college or go into the singles or whatever, they still come back to like, hey, Rube, so what do you think about... Um, which is great. You know, it's encouraging. So yesterday I got a phone call from Cody. And Cody's in his freshman year in college down at, uh, at uh, Irvine, in, in Irvine Valley College. And uh, he, gets, he gives me a call. And he says, Ruben, my mom said I need to call you. <laughs> He's visiting in town on spring break. He says, because, you know, I just, I have money and I want to go buy myself some diamond stud earrings. And I say, wow, that's pretty cool. And what did your mom say? Well, she thinks I should use my money for other things, you know, to be wise with my money. But I want to get this stuff. And so we had a conversation about it. And, you know, I, I don't really think Cody gets it too, too well yet. But I'm just saying, listen to your parents. <laughs> I love you, Cody. I had to throw you under the bus. I'm t- it keeps, keeps us humble, keeps us humble. <laughs> verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. I wasn't going to do that, Cody. Kenny made me. <laughs> Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You know, it's interesting in Colossians... Paul writes the same thing in Colossians 3. You can write this down. Colossians 3, verse 21. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. You know, it's interesting to watch many dads kind of grow up without a dad and then try to you know, become, become Christians and, and, okay, now I'm going to do this right and I'm going to give my, my child what I didn't get. And then all of a sudden, it's just it just projects onto the child what you missed out on. Or, do you see what I'm saying? And it just it, it can become exasperating. Um, I've seen dads uh, project onto their children the things that they themselves need to change or don't like. And it's an interesting thing being in the teen ministry because it's like you, you're at the epicenter of the church in a way because you get to see. I, I work with marrieds because our team, our, our volunteers are, are, are most, most of them are young marrieds as well as I deal with marrieds because of the parents. You know, I, I deal with with singles because we have several singles who are in our volunteer teen worker group. I deal with teen. I deal with college students because we're going trying to transition into the campus ministry. So I get to see a lot. And um, it's very humbling to watch this and to and to. And to learn from the scriptures and to watch other people's examples. But I think as dads, we need to be careful and find a balance between disciplining and expectation and exasperation. There's different forms of exasperation. I think we've all been exasperated. I mean, sometimes I feel like my kids exasperate me. You know, <laughs> I mean, we've all felt exasperated before. It's not fun. There are different forms of exasperation that I think as fathers and as mothers we can do. 
there's overprotecting. You know, you just don't let go. You just they're always going to be with you. You can't let them let overprotect. There's a lack of standards. That's an, you know, that's a whole nother lack of standards and, and neglect. You know, sometimes as parents, we can we there's one form of exasperation that we can go overboard in discipline and in punishment. And then there's another extreme that we just don't do anything. And that can be exasperating because it provides no direction, no boundaries, no, no, no instruction for your child. Does that make sense? And so it's a different extreme, but it's, it's, it can be a form of exasperation. Setting unrealistic goals, failing to show affection, showing favoritism, excessive discipline, overindulging, spoiling. Fathers, don't exasperate your children, but bring them up, it says here, in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's more difficult than it sounds. Theoretically, it's a great idea. I'm going to bring them up in the instruction of the Lord, even with with my little daughter, daughter Bella. You know, I, I uh, I'm teaching her. I, I, I taught her how to memorize the children obey your oh, the children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. That's all she knows how to say. You know, it's really cool. And she repeats it. I don't think she knows what it means, but it's kind of cool that she memorized it. You know what I mean? And we'll, we'll, we'll build on that. But the idea of training and instructing our children in the Lord it's challenging to think about because we're at the same time trying to train ourselves and instruct ourselves in the Lord. It's interesting to me that the comment here is given to the fathers. Now, he could have meant he could have meant fathers in the sense of, you know, mom and dad, like when we say in Spanish, papas, the padres, the, that's the, the, the singular word is father. But the two together, it's both parents. It, it could mean that. But it's interesting, the word of fathers, because. I think a lot of times, even today, we can see the moms more involved and engaged in the spiritual development of their son and daughter more than the dad. It's interesting to me to see that. Um, And I want to encourage us as dads. I want to challenge us as dads to be men of God who lead our home spiritually, to engage in the spiritual war for our family. Don't put it on mom. Satan is working overtime to suck the faith out of the family. We got to fight for our families. Don't wait for the church to to raise your kid. Don't blame the church for your kid's lack of interest. Set the example and let your kids watch you war with Satan, battle Satan. They need to see warriors reading the Bible, praying, sharing our faith, serving others, Our family is our number one mission field, our number one ministry. I feel like, you know, we've all been exasperated in different ways. We'll all fall short in many areas. But the encouragement we receive from the scriptures is to focus on God's grace, to focus on God and how on how he treats us and to do our best in imitating him. We need prayer, discernment if we are to be successful in passing on our faith to the next generation. We need to remember the necessity and the need for grace as we seek to be like Christ in the home. We cannot do these things were it not for grace. Husbands and wives are sinners. Parents and children are sinners. The church is full of sinners. We need the grace of God to establish this type of life. This is not something for any human being to attempt on on their own. Only the grace of God can help us here. 
In the home, perhaps more than anywhere else, we are shown the depth of our sin. And though that's a discouraging thing, it's the first step towards encouragement because then we realize we can't do it on our own. We are precisely at the point where God wants us to be. We can reach out to him and ask him for help to deliver to deliver us and to live the lives he has called us to live in our home. Living with each other in the family demands that we look to Christ to shape our lives, to enable us to treat one another with the love of Christ. And so I want to close out with some practical challenges. Are you ready? Number one. And you may remember some of these from last week. Submit to one another. We talked about last week in the husband and wife relationship. And this week I want to talk about it in the father son relationship or the the parent children relationship. We need to submit to one another. We need to respect one another. Number two, express gratitude. I want to encourage and challenge us as families this week to express gratitude to one another. Teens, junior high students, express your gratitude to your parent this week. Do something for them. Share with them how much you appreciate what they do for you. Parents, single parents, blended families, all kind of parents, share your gratitude with your, with your son or daughter. Just express gratitude to one another. Number three, get others involved. Do you guys remember these from last week? I shared these last week in our marriages. Now I want to share this in our, in, as we raise up another generation. Get others involved. We need help. We need other eyes. I'm so thankful for parents who have older children now, as I have younger children, to teach me how to teach my daughter how to share <laughs> and, not, and how not to yell at kids at the, at the park. <laughs> I mean, it's the little things that matter right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to teach her how to be an, an, a good girl, you know? And she's at that stage where everything is hers. This is mine. That's mine. That slide is mine. That chair is mine. Everything's It's not yours. You know, it's just... I'm so thankful for other men and women in our lives that help us learn how to teach, how to train our young ones. I got some other ones here. Register for the conference. I want to encourage us as parents, register for the conference in April. You go to LAICC.net. It's just 20 bucks a person. Easy. Let's go. Let's learn. Let's be equipped. We have an opportunity to learn so many great things and and get so many tools on how to raise up this next generation. Register for it. Next one. Attend the youth ministry nights in our church. We have once a month, we get together with all the preteens, all the junior high teens and all the high school teens and all their parents. And we're so excited because the college students now join us as well. And we get together once a month. We eat food all together and we talk about different things together, and it's a great time of fellowship and learning. And I want to encourage us, if you're a parent that has not attended one of these, and you have a child in that age range, you need to come to Youth Ministry. Now, our next one is March 25th, Friday night at the Senior Center. We're going to be learning about how to help our children make wise decisions. And it's exciting to know that we have different brothers and sisters to help us learn in these areas. I want to encourage you. Come to youth ministry nights. We do this every month. Next one. Give one another grace. We need to give one another grace. Children, teens, your parents are not perfect. Parents, your teens are not perfect. Let's give one another grace. We're sinners. We need each other's grace. Amen? Initiate conversations. 
There are times that there's like the white ele- the elephant in the middle of the room that nobody's talking about. We just need to initiate with each other conversations. I want to encourage teens to initiate with your mom and dad. Hey, how did you become a Christian? Why did you become a Christian? What does that mean for you? What were you like before that? Oh, snap. Really? You did that? Do you see what I'm saying? Let's have spiritual conversations in the home. If you're visiting with us today and you're like, wow, I don't know how to do any of that kind of I want to encourage you. Find somebody that can help you learn how to have spiritual conversations in the home. Amen. And lastly, pray, 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 pray. If we're going to raise a next generation and make sure that a whole generation grows up that, that knows something about the Lord, we've got to pray a lot. Amen. Now, I want to challenge. Actually, there's one that I didn't put up in here. I want to challenge some of our college students and our singles and young marriage, no children that are here today. Are you guys here? Okay. I want to challenge you to help us in raising the next generation. We need spiritual heroes in the church. Amen. We need brothers and sisters to serve as mentors for our young teens. We need that. And I want to encourage you, even as a young married couple, to look at to try to find a college student that you can mentor, that you can have over the house. Try to find a teenager that you can help inspire in their faith. As a college student, I want to encourage you, find one of, one of the guys in high school that you can be a friend to and encourage them in their faith. As a teenager, as a high school student, find somebody in junior high that you can help and mentor in their faith. As a junior high student, find somebody in the preteens that you can help and that you can mentor. We've we got to do this together. Let's work together. I want to close out by reading Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. The Bible says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. The battle is not against one another in the church or against one another in the family, in our homes. Satan and his army is doing their best to divide families, to divide the church, to steal our faith and to grow a generation that knows nothing about God and all he has done. Let's fight with the full armor of God to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, to build families his way, not our way, to build the church his way, not our way, to make sure that the next generation will know. And the one after that will know and the one after that and that we see generation after generation know God and all he has done. Amen.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. 